Amen. It is our hope and our prayer that people will know that we are Christians by our love and how we live out this life that we live in Christ and in the Spirit. That's really kind of what we've been talking about the last number of weeks through the summers. We've gone through the book of Galatians in our series called Freedom, where we've been talking about how the Apostle Paul understood the Christian life to be very simple. Not always easy, but very simple. It really is about living in Christ and by the power of God's Spirit in us. And we talked about how Jesus plus anything gets us off track. It's Jesus plus nothing that is God's answer to our deepest need and our deepest longing. Salvation comes through Christ alone and through faith in him. It's not about how good we are or how smart we are or what we've done or we haven't done. We've talked about how the grace of God means that there's nothing that we've done that will make God love us any less. And there's nothing that we can do that will make God love us any more. And so the Christian life really becomes to be narrowly focused down into this relationship with Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit in our lives. And then ultimately it leads to how do we live out our lives together with that mindset and that power working in us. See, the danger of religion, Paul was telling us in the book of Galatians, is that it's very easy to want to add a bunch of stuff onto this in order to somehow make us good enough or uh, in God's eyes or to make us look better to those around us. And I, I want to suggest that we, we have to hang on to this idea that we are free in Christ and that this is our simple focus because this is going to be critically important in the season ahead as we begin to explore what is the mission and the vision that God is giving us at Faith Covenant Church to reach our community and beyond for his kingdom in the world. Starting next Sunday, we're not only going to be kicking off our new ministry year as we do every September, but we're going to begin sharing the details of the vision that we believe God is giving us for how we are to live out this mission to be the church in the 21st century here at Faith Covenant. Now, I have to say, as I've been kind of thinking about this season, it's a little bit special for me in that next Sunday formally will be the third anniversary of the first sermon I preached as being the new lead pastor here at Faith Covenant Church. Three years. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's amazing how weird it feels because in some ways it feels like it's gone by like that. And in other ways, it feels like we've been here forever and ever. This is our family. You guys are, are, are it. You know, we, we just feel so welcomed and at home. But, but in a time like this, when you come to those milestone experiences, those anniversary times, it's natural to start to think back and go, well, where have we come in the last three years? And if you think about all the things that we've done and all the things that we've talked about and how, what, where, where have we come to this point? And, and, and then what does this mean for where we go and how is it going to look in the future? It, it's a natural time of life in this season of life in ministry for us to explore those questions. Uh, We'll be talking a lot more about where we see ourselves going in the next three weeks as we uh, talk about this new series that we're doing, our kickoff series called Real Life Together. And at the end of those three weeks, we're going to culminate that with what we're calling our Faith Cove Vision Launch Party on Sunday evening, September 24th, from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, where we're going to reveal in detail all the results of our strategic planning team that has been working now for months and months to take the vision and to put flesh to it, to to actually put action steps in place that you all can look at and interact with and engage and begin to talk about. 
So we want to encourage you to mark your calendars now. Sunday night, September 24th at 6 o'clock, right here in this room, we're going to have our Faith Cub Vision launch party. And don't worry, we checked the Seahawks schedule. Uh, they're playing earlier in the day, so the game will be over by the time our party rolls around. Now, my first sermon three years ago, I called The Net. And so I thought it would be fun to kind of revisit the themes of that first sermon. And so the, the sermon today is Net 2.0. It was the first step in casting vision for what it means for us to be the church together. And I thought it would be worth looking at that as we, as we begin to anticipate stepping out in some new ways in the season ahead. And what, what we talked about three years ago, if you were here, you remember the sermon, right? <laughs> I don't remember the sermon last Sunday, right? <laughs> three years ago, wow. Well, they're all online. You can go back and listen to them anytime you want to. But we talked about how when we look at Jesus, who is, is the author and the perfecter of our faith, we understand that Jesus was a master storyteller. He took the time to, to, to explain things in ways that people understood because he related it to their real everyday lives. He told stories about this new reality that was breaking into the world that, that was almost impossible to describe in heavenly terms, so he had to describe it in human terms, in ways that we could get it and latch onto it. He told stories about this thing that he called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and what we understood is that this idea of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was the presence and the power of God that was coming into the world in a whole new way, in a way that Jesus was inviting his followers to, to not only recognize, but to, to experience and to get involved in, to be caught up in the flow of this new movement that was happening called the kingdom of God on earth. One of the parables that he told, one of these stories, is a favorite one of mine because it's really short and it's really simple. And I love the image that it gives us for understanding, helping us understand what does it mean for us to be the church. Matthew 13, verses 47 and 48. I think we're going to have that on the screen for you. Once again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. They sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad fish away. That's it. That's the story. That's Jesus, the kingdom of God, in a fishnet. <laughs> this idea of the net is really helpful and important, I think, for us in this season ahead. Now, we had some fun time this summer. We got to take vacation, and uh, we were shared how we were able to spend some time with my parents. And my father's 80th birthday, we were able to be with them in San Diego to celebrate his 80th birthday. And, and I love my father, and I shared this story three years ago. But my father is a fisherman. And he loves to fish. And when I was a kid, I remember many times being woken up in the middle of the, what seemed like the middle of the night, it was oh dark 30 in the morning, right? And gathering our food and our snacks and piling everything in the car, in the boat, and heading off to the lake and spending the entire, the entire day on the water fishing. But you see, he was all about that, that, that next bite, the thrill of catching one on the hook and reeling it in. And, and I remember, you know, one day we went out and uh, usually fishing was pretty boring because very rarely do you catch a lot of fish, right? But there was this one day, now remember, everybody has fish stories, right? Fishermen like to tell stories too. 
But there was this one day where we went out, and I call this story the huge catch of crappie. And we, we were out in this uh, reservoir way back miles up into this one finger of the reservoir, and we were kind of uh, near some logs, and, and we, we knew this was kind of the, the prime location, and, and I had my rod and reel, and I was fishing, and my dad has his, and I caught a fish. And so, you know, I was young, so my dad helped me, you know, take the fish off the hook and get it all cleaned up and get me set up again and uh, get it back into the water. And before he could get his rod and lure into the water, I caught another fish. So he's helping me clean that fish off. And pretty soon after the third or fourth fish, he's going, wait a minute, I can't even get my rod. What is it about yours that's different than mine? And we realized that it was this certain lure that they were biting on that day. And if you had the right lure, it, was, it had to be the right color and the right shape. So we changed his lure out to bit match mine, and we started catching fish, and we caught 40 crappie that day. And we came home with a pile of fish. And that was the best fishing experience of my life because it was fun, right? It was active. But the lesson I learned is that when you're fishing, you got to have the right lure. You got to have the right equipment for catching the fish that you're trying to get. Jesus knew a lot of fishermen too, didn't he? And he called them to follow him, to become a part of his family, to enter into this thing that he called the kingdom of God. Uh, and apparently Jesus knew a thing or two about fishing as well. In fact, if we're willing to understand a little about fishing, Jesus says, we might learn a little about the kingdom of God too and about what it means for us to be his followers. We can go back to the beginning of Jesus' story with his disciples really quickly in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus first called his disciples. He said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and they followed him. Think about those first fishermen that Jesus went to talk to. I mean, he's, here's this, this rabbi, you know, what does he know about fishing? But, but, but he comes and he talks about these religious concepts in, in fisherman terms. He takes these high-minded, abstract religious ideas and he, he talks about them in everyday working man kind of language. He says the kingdom of God is, is, is like fishing. It's like throwing a net into the lake and hauling out a bunch of fish. It's, it's really not all that complicated. I bet they had some stories to tell, right? After all, they were fishermen. But you see, when God's story began to intersect with their story, when, when, when the, the Son of God became in relationship with these uh, lowly fishermen, their stories began to create a web of meaning and purpose that took on a whole new uh, perspective for them than ever, anything they ever could have imagined. Jesus calls these fishermen to be his students, to be his disciples, to follow him as their rabbi. And in the process of following him, he was going to transform them from fishermen to fishers of men. He was going to teach them how to fish for people. This was a whole new concept for them and for us. Each of them had their own stories and their own life experiences and their, their own expectations and assumptions about what it meant to be a Jew and, and, and to, be, to care for their family and to 
have a life there at the Sea of Galilee, just like you and I have all of our expectations and our perspectives about where we're going and how we're going to earn a living and how we're going to care for our families and and how are we going to spend all of this free time that we have in retirement, (laughs) right? Where does the free time go? There is no free time in retirement, apparently. Jesus calls these fishermen to become fishers of people. Uh, This is a huge paradigm shift. I mean, it's out of left field. How often do we come to church on a Sunday morning expecting Jesus to show up? We sing, come, Jesus, come. But what if Jesus showed up and called us out of our current life to a, a whole new experience of what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus? How would we react? What would it mean for us if Jesus said, I'm calling you to be a fisher of men as well. And it says they left their nets immediately and they followed him. Now, it's important, I think, for us to understand that their concept of fishing was a little different from our common forms of fishing today, right? We will most often use a rod and a, a lure, kind of like I talked about with my father and I, but they most often use nets. We take the, often take the lure approach to church as well, I'd like to suggest. We got we to gotta find the right, right lure to attract people to, come, to want to come to church. We got to find the right bait to try and get people to, to be interested in Jesus, to, to, to consider the possibility that, that maybe there's something to this whole Christianity thing. And, 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 and by taking the lure approach to church, we often focus, I'd suggest, on the wrong things. We, we focus on having the right style of music or the right program for youth or the right class or study that's somehow going to pique people's interest or the right small group model that if we can just get all the details right, then then the the church will grow because people are going to come or the right marketing strategy. See, these are all lures. Now, all of these can be useful and important in the right context. But you have to understand when we go back to what Jesus really called his disciples to be and to do in, in those first early days was, was to focus on the function of what it means to be the church, not the form of what it means to be a church. I think too often we can focus on putting the activities of church ahead of the idea of being the church. See, being the church isn't about luring people into anything. It's not about luring people into a building. It's not about luring people into a special program. It's a class. It's not even about luring people into a religion. It's about you and I discovering a lifestyle within the kingdom of God. Because see, when we discover a lifestyle where you and I are living in Christ and by the power of his spirit, we become a part of this thing that Jesus said is the kingdom of God. And what happens is our lives get woven together in such a way that we begin to form a a kind of a net. And you see, God's intention is that this net that he calls the church would be like the kingdom of God that is let down into the lake of the world. And as it goes through the world, it captures all kinds of fish. And it's not our job to decide which are the good fish and which are the bad fish, right? We just scoop up whoever God brings into our path. And along the way, Jesus will sort it all out. See, we don't have to worry about all of that. All we have to do is figure out how do we get engaged in loving one another well and building a spiritual family. Jesus says we are the family of God. And I can tell you, men and women, people in our culture are in desperate need of healthy family in their lives. Amen? 
I mean, we live in a world that is broken and disintegrating, and most of our experiences of family are difficult and challenging as well. What better gift do we have to give to the world around us than to invite them to be spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, to learn how to love one another well? Being the church isn't about trying to lure people. It's about trying to live out this kingdom lifestyle together. And in the process, God says that all kinds of people will be caught up in the the network of relationships that he is forming among us. See, the Bible tells us that God intends us to weave our lives together and our stories together in such a way that that it takes a vastly diverse group of people and personalities and experiences and ethnicities and economic status and, and, and weaves them together into a network of relationship that the Bible calls church. Being in the church is about accepting one another and helping one another and loving people where they're at in our day-to-day lives, not just on Sunday morning, and being willing to invest ourselves in the personal lives of people around us. And in the process, people are caught up, and they're caught up into what? They're caught up into the love of God. They're caught up into the spirit of God. They're caught up into a relationship with Christ as they experience Christ in us. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. In this story of the kingdom of God, I'd like to suggest, as you've been hearing, we are the net. When we genuinely pursue others in our lives as spiritual family, God weaves our relationships together like a net that is cast into the waters of the world and catches all kinds of fish. Now, as I said, we can get so caught up in the form of church that, uh, that we forget that the function of the church is, is to catch fish. In the design world, we know that form follows function, right? Form follows function. You need to know what the function of, uh, 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 is that you're trying to achieve before you can decide what form you're going to take to try and achieve that function. Forms can change, but the function is always the same. Let me give you an example. Like in the world of transportation, right? Form follows function. What's the function of transportation? To get a person from point A to point B, right? It's simple. I want to get from here to get over there. I have to have some form of transportation to get there. Well, over the centuries, humankind has devised many creative ways to uh, meet that need, right? I mean, what was the first form of transportation that maybe we could think of? Do we have a picture? Right? Point A to point B. Throw a saddle on there, you're good to go. But of course, with our ingenuity and our creativity and, and, and learning to, to pull our resources together, we, we get better. And so we graduate to another form of transportation. The, the goal is the same, right? Point A to point B, but this one has wheels instead of legs. And then you know how the progression goes, right? You add a motor to that, and now you have a car. And then the cars get even better, and we have really nice cars. And ultimately, you get the ultimate form of vehicular transportation, the minivan. (laughs) Right? But of course, it's not just on the ground. Now we have the original plane where we got the wheels off the ground and into the air. And then ultimately jet aircraft appeared and we got to fly high in the sky. And ultimately we decided, you know what? We don't want to just go point A to B horizontally. We want to go vertically and we want to put a man where? Yeah. 
on the moon. And ultimately, we have vehicles now that can go into space and bring people back, right? The space shuttle. Going all the way back to the original mode of transportation, the horse, to the space shuttle. The function has been the same, point A to point B. But the forms have changed, and they've taken on more and more complexity and different variations as the vision that we've had grows. Men and women, church is the same thing. Church has changed enormously over the centuries. If you were to go back and go to church with with Peter, you would be shocked at, at the way that they did church. But the function is the same. Men and women, we have been called into the family of God by Jesus Christ to be his brothers and sisters, so to speak, right? To be his disciples. And our father is a fisherman. He's invited us to participate in the family business, and the family business is fishing for people. But too often, we've we've lost sight of the function of church, and we want to focus on the forms. And so we come to church over and over again, thinking about how comfortable is it, and what kind of music do I like, and what's going to be my needs. And it becomes more like this religious club, and we've lost the fact that we're not out there fishing anymore. But the whole point of God weaving us together into this spiritual network called the church is so that we could form a net that would catch all kinds of fish. It's the same with churches. Forms of churches are always changing, but the function remains the same. Now, if you remember at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, after he had died on the cross and had been laid in the tomb, His disciples, these men and uh, women who said yes to follow him kind of got afraid, right? And they were scared and they they left Jerusalem and, and they went back to the life that they knew. They went back to their nets and they went back to their fishing. They went back to what was familiar, to what seemed safe, to things that they could manage and control because it was in their wheelhouse and their comfort zone. But then Jesus comes to them, right? He comes to them alive. This, this, this Savior who had died was now alive again. And, and he completely transforms their story one more time. Let's look at John 21, verses 4 through 6. See, they'd, they'd gone out to fishing again. They'd been out all night fishing, and they didn't catch a thing. Talk about the, the opposite of the great hall of crappie. I mean, they didn't catch a fish. But early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, But the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. You see, Jesus comes to us, maybe sometimes early in the morning when we least expect it, when we're not even awake and thinking about where God is, Jesus shows up in our lives and he calls and says, how's that working for you? How's your life going right now? As you look at your experience of life and of church, you know, how's the fishing going? (laughs) Well, we've been up all night. We've been working at it for years. I mean, our church is 140 years old and Man, we have a great history, but oof, we're just slogging it out. And we don't have a lot of fish to show for it right now. 
Well, have you considered throwing your net on the other side of the boat? (laughs) What's that going to do, right? They've been out in the lake all night. Jesus says, well, try the other side of the boat. See, it's not about which side of the boat you're fishing on. It's not about having the right lure. It wasn't a technique. It was a trust issue. Are you willing to, to trust me, Jesus says, and do what I asked you to do? Because if you do, this is what's going to result. There's going to be a whole haul of fish that you can't even manage. But it's not about you. You don't have to do it. It's not about what you and I do for God. And we've been saying this over and over again. It's about what God wants to do in us if we're willing to let him do it. But in order to do that, we've got to open our hands. We've got to open our hearts. We've got to give up control, not only of our own lives, but we've got to give up control of our church. We've got to give up control of our perspectives of what's good or, or, or what we should be doing. And we've got to get on our knees before God and humbly say, God, this is the life that you've given me. This is the life you've given us. How do you want us to use this for your good and your glory? Pastor Dave Gibbons, who's a covenant pastor in Southern California, wrote a book called The Monkey and the Fish. And he says in the book, I think it's possible that God is saying that there's a building I'm trying to build that is not made with human hands. It's made by the holy wind, the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit that breathes fire and life into individuals, and they will become the temple of God. You see, church isn't a strategy or a program. It's not about trying to lure people back into a church building. It's a miraculous gift of God. It's the net that we've all been caught up in, and we've been able to experience this blessing. And he wants to unite us together in his spirit to share that experience with those around us. It's a gift that can be so attractive to others that when they experience it, they cannot help but be caught up in the the flow of life and love and healing it generates because it's not about any one sermon that I preach on Sunday morning or any one class that we teach or how many small groups we have meeting. It's about entwining our lives in genuine relationship with other people. Do we really love the people that God gives us? Sometimes when we think about reaching people for Christ in today's culture, it can seem overwhelming, right? And, and, and maybe even impossible. I mean, if you look out there, it almost feels like the entire country has gone the opposite direction of Christianity. And in, in many cult, places of culture, it's almost anti-Christian. And so the idea of, of becoming evangelistic and, and, and reaching out and sharing the good news of Jesus, it, it sounds intimidating and scary, and, and it's not something that maybe we want to do. But, but see, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about going out and door-to-door knocking and, and, and sharing, you know, four spiritual laws. We're simply talking about blessing people with our lives. We had that wonderful series this last spring called Bless, and we still have the letters out there of five simple ways that we can open our lives to sharing the good news of Jesus by simply loving people well. The point is that none of us can do it alone. Even with fishing with a rod and a reel, somebody has to hold the net to scoop the fish in, right? If you think about it, how many people did it take to put a man on the moon? You have that picture of the moon rocket? Point A, point B, right? Here to the moon. How many people did it take to put a man on the moon? I don't know. Had to be thousands, right? 
from, from design concept people to engineers to form the parts to, to, to the astronauts who had to train to the control people. I, I mean, it took an army of people to put a few men on the moon. And, and what I think we can take away from, from this story of the net today is that none of us can do it alone, but that when we weave ourselves together, God can use us to accomplish amazing things that we never thought possible. And my hope and my prayer is that as we move forward as Faith Covenant Church, we will hold this picture of the net, a simple fishing net of the strands woven together as a community that we come together to each find our part in the mission and the vision that God is giving us so that we together go through life in a way that makes us attract, not attractive to people, but sticky, Right? A lot of books out there are called Sticky Church. We, we sti- people stick to Christian community, not because they're attractive, because they can't help it, because they experience the kingdom of God in our midst, the presence and the power of God, as Paul said in Galatians, in Christ and through his spirit. And my hope is that you and I experience that as well. Let's pray. Holy God, We ask that you would continue to weave us together to form a net for your kingdom that will catch all kinds of fish. We also ask, God, that you would give us the courage to allow you to drop us down into the lake of the world, to go out into our culture, to to build relationships with people who are far from God, who don't know Jesus, who don't go to church. Help us to have a heart and a vision to see that the kingdom of God that you came to announce all those years ago continues to be a movement of your spirit that's present and active and living in the world today. And God, as we as a church turn our eyes focused, laser pointed on Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith, as the one that we follow, would you give us a heart and a vision for how to allow him to be our leader and to lead us in this mission that we have ahead. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.